What ideas does the word surrender bring to your mind? Waving a white flag, giving up, or maybe releasing something or letting go? In this new series, we'll examine the idea of surrendering to God. Our time, our talent, our treasure, everything we have is given to us by God. What does it look like to open up our hands back to Him? Join us for this new journey in Surrender. Well, we are continuing our series on Surrender, and last week, Pastor Jimmy uh, gave us a great message on who is your king. He reminded us that, that we are the temple, right, and that we were bought with a price. We were not the co-pilot or the pilot, but it's more like we were the plane, and, and Christ has purchased us, and, and he will use us to take us wherever we go as long as we're able to surrender unto him. So today, we are going to continue that series of surrender, but first, I have to tell you a story. And if you have been in the military or been around the military, you know that every good story starts out like this, and there I was. <laughs> so yeah, so, and there I was. And there I was at Camp Dawson, West Virginia, and I decided that uh, as a young lieutenant, I was going to learn how to repel. So you have your repel rope, and you have all this mess that's, that's happening here, and, uh, and your D-ring carabiner. And so this is all of your equipment that you would need in order to jump off of a repel tower that's 90 feet high, I remind you. And I'm thinking, wow, that's, um, this is all I need, right? This is going to save me? Well, we're going to learn a little bit more about that. So... In, in order for not to have any wardrobe malfunctions, we're not going to use the D-ring today, okay? We'll just not do that. And, and so I want to tell you that the first thing they tell you to do is inspect your equipment. Because your equipment is important. You've got to make sure it works. If it doesn't work, then, you know, you might fall. And that's not a good thing ever. So you look and make sure it's not frayed or teared or dirty in any way. And, and it's pretty good. So it seems solid. So you, so you would take your, your rope and uh, the master repel tire... Uh, would, send you, would send you up the tower and you get to the top and then you're up there and uh, remind you it's 90 feet so it's a, it's a pretty far way up and, and so the first thing that your instructor does is you know he asks somebody to come up and to jump off for you right and so the demonstrator posts up to the top and they, they go all the way to the bottom and you're thinking you know what I think I could do that you know what I'm saying I got this I'm I'm, I've been in the military all but, but three and a half months, and I know that I can do whatever. It doesn't matter. I've got this. So, so your instructor tells you to get all roped in. So you do. You get your seat. You get your repel uh, rope all, all, all situated, and everything looks good. And So now your equipment's ready. You're ready, and it's time for you to, to back up a little bit. And they said, put your heels to the edge of the wall. And so you, you back up a little bit. And you know, they tell you, you remember that somebody says, don't ever look down. But some, why do we do this? We always look down and all of a sudden it's like, oh my goodness, can't believe it's that far up. They said, focus on me. All right, so I'm, I'm focused, right? Focus on the instructor. They say, all right. So first thing you do is you have to announce the where you're at. So you would yell, on repel. There you go. So somebody would yell, on belay. And now I know that, and, and now you're happy that at least be somebody underneath there in case if you fall, at least they'll break your fall, right? And so it, <laughs> it won't totally curse flat, you know, because so you want to save your life as much as possible. So anyway, so you're up there and next thing you know, they, they ask you to kind of lean back, lean back into it, lean into it, right? So I'm doing that. 
I've stepped down and I'm looking at the instructor and he says, okay, in order for you to trust your equipment, we want you to let go of your guide hand. This is your, your guide hand and release hand. So I'm standing there and I said, wait a minute, you want me to let go? I mean, I just kept feeling like if I let go, I'm done. I mean, they said, no, you gotta trust the rope, trust the process, right? Okay, okay, okay. So I let go. I'm kind of like hanging just right there, you know? And it's nice. I totally forget about the person who's underneath me, but I'm, I'm just hanging. I'm thinking, wow, this is so cool. I'm hanging. Then all of a sudden I thought, oh my goodness, I'm hanging. You know, and then so I grab hold of the rope again and I got this death grip on there, but the instructor says, okay, now I need you to do is bound off a little bit. Just bound off. So I'm bounding, I'm bounding. They said, now next time when you bound, I need you to release a little bit. Release your brake. Bound, release, bound, release. And finally you get to the bottom of the rappel tire and then you're all done. And then you look up and you think, wow, that was a long way. And I know I was pretty scared, but your body is still tense just from that experience of just coming down, learning how to, to trust. And all of a sudden, you're just, you're all in this awe-oh mood. And next thing somebody says, hey, poor guy, get back up here and do it again. And so there, and then I go, I go up and do it again, and I do it again, and I do it again, and I just keep doing it until you start to feel more comfortable, right? Because the more practice you do, the more you feel comfortable with the rope, the understanding, you'll be able to, to get down. I think that's how it is with us and God. We, we want to feel comfortable letting go, but sometimes we just don't know when to let go and how to let go. We all struggle with the very little thing that makes us feel safe. Maybe repelling is not your thing, okay? I understand, I got that. Not, not everybody goes out and repels, not everybody's in the military. But think about the time when you left your house for the first time. Think about the time when you went to college or, or you, you went off for a, uh, to take another job or something, you had to leave home. That was, a, that was a pretty daunting experience, you know, for you to pack everything up and leave. Think about the time that if you're in the military, you had to PCS, so you, you, you went to a new duty station, you had to move for a first time. Think about the time that maybe you were deployed and, and you, you left home. And think about the time for those who, who were at home when you left. What was it like for them to let you go? You see, I think that's what the message is really about in surrendering is, is understanding of being able to let go and to let God and to releasing those things that, that keep us so unsafe, right? And so I wanna to talk to you about something today that you probably don't wanna talk about. Um, it, it's not the most popular sermon. And thank you, Jimmy, for allowing me to have this opportunity. But I'm gonna to talk to you about giving up your money, all right? Specifically, surrendering your finances to God. Now, listen, but before, I know what you're thinking. You're scheming maneuver right now between your partner, your significant other. You're like, you're saying this to yourself. All right, here's the deal. We're both gonna act like we're going to the bathroom, but you grab the kids, I'll get the car. We'll meet out front. We'll be down two notch row before Brian gets to his next story. Don't leave, please. This is not about giving all your money to the church and, and going out and, and living like a, a monk in, in the desert. This is not a sermon series on tithing. This is not about, I'm not asking for any money. This is not a series on that. This is a series about releasing the one thing that can keep us, uh, that keep our hearts hardened towards God. Let me tell you a story a famous story in the Bible. I'm sure you recognize this character. His name was Judas. Judas was a disciple 
of Jesus. And every disciple had their roles and responsibilities, what they were supposed to do. Judas's role was to, to manage the money. Was, he watched what came in and what went out. He, he started to see all of this money and, and how they were, uh, they were saving the money and how they would spend it. You know, the reality is, is even in Jesus' time, money was important. You, they had to have money to, to pay for food to eat. They had to have money to pay their taxes. Money, money helped them continue to, to survive. So there had to be money. There had to be exchange money. But yet, yet something about the, the money keeper, Judas, he allowed what was happening to all this money to start to get into his heart and just started hardening his heart. You see, I think that kind of a lot like Judas, that, that we have a hard time of letting go some of those things as well. But I, I want to assure you that surrendering our finances unto God and surrendering our gifts to the Lord, releasing them freely could be an amazing, amazing opportunity for you in your life. It can provide a joy that, that you've never had before surrendering to the Lord to what we have near, dear to our heart. You see, Jesus knows a lot about money. Matter of fact, he talked about money more than anything else in the Bible. Did, did you know that, uh, that Jesus talked about money more than faith and repentance? He talked about money so much that 11 out of the 40 parables were about money. So if Jesus himself in the New Testament is talking about money, we've got to know that this has got to be important. So in my study for the sermon today, as I was, I was putting all my notes together, you know, I, I thought about there's a lot of verses in the Bible that talk about money. And, and I thought, I started reading some of those, and, and some of those that I realized that even though these are, are verses that, that are in Scripture, some of these have been taken out of context in our everyday speech. And, and we, sometimes we call them idioms because they're, they're just verses that we know that we hear. And then we just say them all the time. Sometimes we didn't realize they're in the Bible or not. So I decided to take a poll with my military men's group on, on Wednesday nights. So I sent out a text to all of them because, you know, listen, these are more bearded, tattooed, burly guys than me, right? And, and, and they love to read the Bible. They, they love to study. And uh, a matter of fact, they want to get shirts that says, uh, those who read Leviticus are cool. So I thought, <laughs> this is the kind of people that I should be asking if I want to know if the verse is in the Bible or not. So I, I sent out a text. And, and so I'm just telling you, the, the answers that were coming back, it was, it was like rapid fire. They were all onto it. And so I thought it'd be nice since Jimmy had his, his uh, 10 redneck um, Jeff Foxworthy, are you a king? Uh, who is your king? You know, list last week, I thought I would do my own little list. Now, I'm not much of Jimmy, so I got four, just four for you today. All right. So here's the deal. Here's the rules of engagement. I, I'm going to, to read off a, a verse and you tell me whether it's in the Bible or not. Okay. Pretty simple. All right. Here, here it goes. If God closes one door, he will open another. No. That's a, good, that's a good word, but no, it's, it's actually it's not in the Bible. I mean, it's kind of out of context. How about this one? I'm, I'm sure you guys will get this one. God helps those who help themselves. You hear that all the time, right? You hear people say that at work. You, you hear God helps those who help themselves. It's got to be in the Bible. It's not in the Bible. 
oh, I, this is a good one. If God brings you to it, he's going to lead you through it. I'm just telling you what, that is a sermon series I'm getting ready to preach someday. I don't know when. If Pastor Jimmy, you say, hey, let Brian preach that, pastor, that, that, that passage on if God gets you through it, he's going to lead you through it. But it's not in the Bible. But it's, it's, it's a really cool. How about this one? It's more blessed to give than receive. Yes. Yeah. Uh, let me say it to you this way. It's more blessed to give and receive. So the truth is, it's in the Bible, word for word. A matter of fact, even though we use it out of context in, in our day-to-day -day life, I get it. That's why they call it an idiom. But it is in the Bible. It is word for word of what Jesus said himself. Matter of fact, in Acts 20, 35, it says, in everything I showed you, that by working hard in this manner, you must help the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus. that He himself said, it is more blessed to give than receive. You see, this is a direct quote from Jesus and, and, and why it's so important that Paul remembers of this verse that, that Jesus would say and, and somehow it was passed down from person to person. It, it wasn't written anywhere other than here. It's the only quote that we have from Jesus' earthly ministry in his life about money. And it's here. So if it's that important that it is remembered from what people say, just like in our everyday speech, just like the idioms that we say, they remembered it was so important for Jesus himself. You see, in this verse, it tells us that the giver secures more happiness than the receiver. The one letting go receives the greater reward. Our humility and the obedience to serve others is a godly virtue. And, and I think about James 1, 7, who says, God is a giver of every good and perfect gift. If, if God so gives, then, then we, out of example of our God, shall give also, right? Well, I'm gonna tell you a little story. I'm gonna tell you a story. I know a little bit about giving. I do. I know a little about being a giver because I married one, you see? Her name was Jennifer Saul's giver. That was in her name. And it's also in her DNA. So Jennifer, she would love to make it for you, and give it away. She would bake it for you, and you would come over and you would take it away. It doesn't matter. Jennifer is the giver of all things in our, in our life, you see? So I decided I was going to let her know that, that I would like to be a giver too. You see, I thought I was a giver, but nothing quite like my wife. So here's the situation. I was in seminary, and she was pregnant for Aiken, and she was, was home on bed rest. She wasn't working. I wasn't working. I was a student in school, and, and I'm sitting in there. I'm thinking about Scripture, reading the Bible, and all this good stuff, and, and I hear a conversation of a gentleman who's saying, hey, I, I really need to get to Ohio. Um, I, I'm, I'm really struggling right now. I don't have a any way to get a bus ticket. I got some things going on with my family and I don't have a car, I do whatever. And I thought, maybe this is a God thing. So I rushed over there and, and I, I talked to that young man and, and so we, we, we have our little conversation. So I run back home to the apartment where there's Jennifer. And I fly open the door and I say, honey, guess what? She said, what? I said, I just gave away her car. She said, you just did what? I said, I did, I'm a giver too. 
I just gave away her car and everything is great. And she said, well, how am I going to get to the hospital? Okay, be right back. So I went and I prayed really, really hard. And about three days, he brought the car back and we had the baby and I'm still married and all of it was good. Okay. Whew. That was a tough one. Jesus knows. He knows what's going on. He, he, he loves to talk about money. As a matter of fact, this famous sermon he did, the Sermon on the Mount, where he was up there, here's what he said in Matthew 6, 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moths nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Let me say that again. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. There's another way of saying that. You may have a, a, a Bible translation that says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will follow. You see, our heart follows the things that, that, that we have, that we, that we own in our life, right? If that treasure is money, if that treasure is possessions, those things that, that run us, our heart continues to follow that. So, we are to be kingdom-minded people, and we are called to invest in things not of this world, right? Um, as, as a matter of fact, you, you can't say that, that money is bad because this verse tells us specifically that money is not bad. It says that treasure is good. It says storing treasure, like investment, is good. Storing treasure for heaven is great. But storing treasure that's not stored in heaven, things that won't last, is not good and will eventually hurt our heart. You see, I, I remember a time when I was an army chaplain uh, for 22 years, and we would have couples come up and be able to have a chance to, to counsel with them and, and talk to them about money situations and, and things that were going on in their life. It wasn't about how much money they had uh, or how much they made or how little they made. It was about the decisions, the decisions that they make in their life. And, and how those decisions have directly affected uh, their, uh, their life, their lifestyle, and, and everything that was happening in it. You see, it, it's, it's not just about the money. It's about the money where we decide to lay it, our treasures, in our heart or in our life. Jesus knows that we spend more time thinking about money than anything else in the day. He says... He knows that we talk about how to, to give it, right? We know how to attain it. He knows that we talk about how to borrow it, how to lend it, how to save it, how to, how to give it away, how to invest it. Everything that we talk about and we think in our mind, we, we think about money. And to use another idiom that, that could be uh, from Ecclesiastes, it tells us that there is nothing new under the sun for God, nothing new. He already knows what we're thinking. He knows what's in our heart. He knows what's going on. Psalm 24 tells us, for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. That means the earth is the Lord and everything that is contained within it belongs to God. So if everything belongs to God, he already knows our heart, then, then what, are we, what are we concerned about when it comes to treasures? You see, there's a famous quote from a, a Christian theologian, C.S. Lewis, he wrote a book called Mere Christianity. And, and let, me, let me just share this with you. It says, every faculty you have, 
The power of thinking, the power of moving your limbs from moment to moment is given to you by God. If you devoted every moment of your entire life exclusively to his service, you could not give God, him, anything that was not his, in a sense, already. He already knows that everything belongs to him, all the riches and the treasures that are given to us, the material possessions that we have, but he's called us to be managers of these riches, managers of the wealth that, that we have. We are to be faithful servants because God is faithful unto us, and so, so we represent God. Jesus is concerned about how the money affects our heart and our integrity and values in life. Good money management is being able to use what we have for kingdom-minded advancements, invest in things that, that last for eternity and not things that are here on earth. Jennifer and I decide anytime that, that we want to make a, a major purchase in our life or, or that we would donate to a certain event, there's a couple questions that, that we have learned to ask ourselves. The first one is this. Will the decisions that we make with what we own impact others' lives for eternity? Will the decisions that we make with what we have impact others' lives for eternity? Before we sow a seed, we have to ask that question. Then we ask this a second question. Will what we have reach a multitude or only a few? With what we have that we sow, reach a multitude or only a few? You see, our direction with our money reveals our affection towards God. I think that's pretty good, right? Our direction with our money reveals our affection towards God if he is the good Father who, who gives every good, perfect gift unto us. He's the giver, we're the receiver. It's God's master plan that his people will use all of our wealth and our riches to reach others for the kingdom of heaven and letting go of our old thinking about finances. Remember on the, on the rappel rope, sometimes we have to learn to let go. Sometimes we have to release just a little bit, more and more at a time. And when we do, we start to trust God every time we go back down the rappel tower. Now, I've talked a lot about what finances is in the Bible and what the Bible says about Scripture and what Jesus says about finances in Scripture. Now, what does it look like when we don't follow God's plan? Here's one, because you know, we already know that God wants to honor us with all true riches and blessings from heaven. That's true. But here's the problem. Riches and blessings from heaven, well, excuse me, riches and blessings from this world will promise much and they perform nothing. Riches and blessings and treasures from this world will always excite hope, but always give us despair. The Bible tells us that no one can serve two masters. We cannot serve God and money or God and mammon, as the Bible says. God wants all of us all the time. He's a jealous God. He wants all of us all the time in our life. The problem is, about this, is that money competes with our relationship with our Father in heaven. When money competes with our relationship with Father in heaven, that's when we start to have problems. So, it's been, I know it's been pretty tough so far, but I'm gonna give us three truths that we can learn to learn how to surrender our finances to God to receive the ultimate joy and experience that, what he wants for us in our life each and every day. First one is just knowing, the Psalm 24, is not ours anyway. 
The first truth is it's not ours anyway. It all belongs to God. So if, if the earth and, and all that's in it belongs to him, then, then what are we worried about? We are called to be ambassadors for Christ. He, he's told us this in the scripture. Well, if we are citizens of heaven, not here on this earth, when we invest in things, let's invest in things in heaven because we know that those are gonna last for eternity. That's where God wants us to be. Here's a story that I remember talking to a soldier one time and he was frustrated about giving money, his tithe to the church, right? So he'd come up to me, he's a chaplain. Here, here's the problem, you know, I don't make much money anyway and I feel like I'm giving it to the church and I really don't know what's going on here. So I told him to give me his LES, that's a leave earnings statement that, that could be your, your statement of earnings for the month or, or whatever, right? So he brings it up to me, and so we're looking at it, and, he, and he's right. Like, like, he's an E3. He's not making very much money. I, I understand that. But, I'm, but I'm, I'm trying to explain to him. So this came to me. It came to me to say to this young man, I said, here's what you should do. You should take this leave earning statement, and you should hold it up. When you leave here today, tell God that you earned this money that this is all yours, that you are going to spend it the way you want, you're going to save it the way you want, you're going to give it away the way you want, you're going to do with you what you want with it because it's your money, not his, yours, because you earned it, right? So he said, okay, all right, chaplain, I'll do that. I said, then you come back and see me next week. So he goes away, and he comes back to see me next week, and he says, chaplain, I could not wait one day. I, I got one day trying to tell the Lord that this, this, this was not his, but it was all mine. And, and he said, I had the most miserable day in my entire life. He said, he said I, I will never do that again. You see, this works out for him because we understand. And we do this all the time. We understand about it's not our money really, but we spend it and we invest it in ways as long as we keep God First and foremost, seek first you the kingdom of heaven, right? If we seek in God first in all that we do, I think he will, he will bless it. Here's, here's one, another way to put it in Luke 16, 10. It says, he who is faithful in a very little thing is faithful also in much. And he who is unrighteous in a very little thing is unrighteous also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the use of unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you true riches to you? The second truth I want to offer to you is it would be great for us to be able to invest in the best, all right? Invest in the best. You know, honestly, we suffer through this because each and every day we know that there are things that, that in our heart, the holes in the heart that, that we try to fulfill. Instead of investing in things that last forever, we're like, you know what? If I can just take that exotic vacation to go to that private island or, or have that most fancy dinner to spend that exotic amount of money for that one steak that comes out like this, I know that I'm, it's going to fix all my problems. I'm just telling you, those kind of things don't, don't fix problems. But buying those kind of possessions is just like we said before. Spending all of that exuberant amount of money is just going to lead to despair because you know what? Two hours later, you're hungry again. It can't fill your stomach forever. There's only one thing that can do that, and that's God. And teenagers, um, I don't know where you're at. I know you're out here. You're not off the hook. I just want to make sure you know that, right? The guy loves you, and, and, and he, he wants to sow in your life, but he's looking for you 
to, to start investing in him now, I can't imagine what my life would be like, how different it would be if I were you and, and sitting in here as a teenager and understanding if I started investing in God at such a young age, where God would have led me there. I've, I've had to go through some tough times in my life. Matter of fact, I, 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 went, I went, had to go through a bankruptcy because of the divorce. I, I had things in my life that, was, that I wish I would have known ahead of time. God wants to bless you. He, he wants you. he wants to invest in you and he wants you to invest in him. And he says that if you do, and trust me, that he will never leave and forsake you. That the third truth that we have is we are to bless to be a blessing. Abraham was told in Genesis 12, he, he said, those who bless you, I will bless. And those who curse you, I will curse. And I will give you uh, as much as the stars in the sky and the sands on the shore, the generations to generations to come, I will bless you. We are called to be a blessing, to bless others. God possesses an infinite, an infinite amount of blessings in heaven that he wants to bestow upon us. Second Corinthians 9, 8 explains it to us like this way. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that always having all sufficiency and everything that you may have in abundance for every good deed. It's not referring to a spiritual grace in this particular verse. He's referring to money and material needs, things that we need to survive each and every day. You know, my mom used to tell me money don't grow on trees. And we definitely don't have one in the backyard. So every time I asked for that stuff, she would remind me that. But we know that God is the producer of all wealth. And then when we ask him, we receive so much more than we can ever get on our own. <laughs> okay, so I'm, I'm just gonna say, all of you have just been very kind and generous to me. You're not throwing a single thing and and, and booed me off the stage already because talking about money, I get it. It's, it's a tough subject. And, and some of you may be reluctant to some of the things that I've actually said or being able to, to move forward with that. But I wanna let you know that, that God, want, God hears what, what you're going through. And, and maybe that may be the case that in the past, you've had a situation where you've, you've opened up your wallet to somebody who who's holding a sign that says, uh, I need work, or I need, I need food, I need this or whatever. And, and maybe you were generous to the kind that, that later you see them come and walking out of, of a, some place that they shouldn't be. And, and maybe, you, or you see them buying something they shouldn't and, and you're feeling like you were just taken advantage of and it hurts you. And you're like, man, but God, I, w- I was trying to help one of your own. And then, and then maybe you were at home, this happened to my parents, and you pick up the phone and, and they're like, hey, there was a need overseas and we just need your credit card and we can, we can buy all these meals and these things for people and, and you just whip out and just give them every credit card that you got. And then you find out later it was a scam and someone took your money and your heart was hurt because you couldn't believe that somebody would do that to you. Maybe you were part of a church organization in the past, maybe years ago, and, and maybe you've given money. Maybe you have, you've given it freely. You'd open up your wallet, you know, when, when pastors would yell up there. And, and you'd say, here you go, here you go. And then you, you find out that 
Maybe that money wasn't used what it was supposed to be for. Or you feel like it wasn't, uh, you were hurt by the way it was used. And you feel taken advantage of. I, I, if nobody has ever done this before to you, I, I want to apologize. I, I can't apologize for everything that everybody's ever hurt you with in the past because of money, but specifically for the church, for God's church, for Christ's church. If you've ever been hurt by the church in the past, I'm so sorry. And, and I want you to know that God hears your cry. He hears your sadness. And he wants to say that, that he will fill that, that hole and that void in your heart. He wants you to have joy. He wants you to have joy everlasting. And, 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 and he wants you to know that he loves you and he cares for you. So I apologize for those who have hurt you in the past. I have one more personal story that I'd like to share with you. Jennifer and I were recently married. We were in our church at Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. It was a Sunday night. It was a special event, and there was a, a guest speaker. He was run, running across stage, doing some crazy stuff, and, and, and he was talking about sowing a seed in the ministry, sowing a seed, and seeing, seeing the blessing being returned to you tenfold. And, and sowing a seed means giving money, right, to the church. So we were so excited. Well, I was excited. I mean, I was new in seminary, and, and I was just a new Christian, and I was like, come on, God, we're going to give it all. We're going to, he said, write the check. And I look at Jennifer and say, write the check. And she looked at me like, what? I said, no, 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 no. Come on, come on, come on. Write the check, write the check. And Jennifer looked at me again. She's like, what? Okay, come on. Jesus is going to bless us. I, I know, I know. Write the check. And she Miss Submissive, Jennifer, I'll write the check. She gets down and she writes the check. Now, I don't tell you that story just because of that situation and what was going on there. I tell you that story because there are different types of people. And maybe you relate to who I am, where just freely, just give it all. Just, it doesn't matter. God needs it. He, he knows what he's doing with it. I'm just going to whip out the wallet and just give it to God because he's doing so much, so much amazing things in my life. I can't wait to see what he's going to return. And yet, but maybe you were related to Jennifer, right? Where she grew up in a church where, where it hurt sometimes when you give money because money was a, not a thing that they really talked about a lot. You would just give a little bit of your tithe, a little bit of your offering, you know, because you were afraid that somebody was going to do something with that money that you didn't know because you had heard stories in the past. You see, it's, it's like that rappel rope and hanging on. You, you can't, you can't just, just be free willy-nilly on, 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 you know, with, with God and expect him not to, to bless you. But I believe that God is somewhere in the middle. He's saying, hold on and trust me just a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time, and I'll get you to the bottom. I'll get you down there safely. Just don't have to worry because I got you. Listen, I want to talk to a group of people that are in here today for the first time that says, Hey, Pastor Brian, I, I believe what you said. And I and I'm, I like the stories of what Jesus is talking about money, but I really just don't have that relationship with God that, that you're expressing. So I really don't know about trusting Him with what I have. Well, I, I want. I'm gonna say a prayer in just a minute. And I want you to pray with me a simple prayer to see how God can help you release and understand, be about his family, 
and what he has. Will you pray with me, please? Oh, Father God, I thank you that, that you are the great surrenderer, that you surrendered your son, Jesus Christ, and you gave him up freely for us and for our life so we can have eternal gain. Lord God, I, I pray right now that, that each of us, so we've, we've heard this message today, that, that may, may we understand that releasing the what we have can produce ultimate joy in our heart because that is what you want for us each and every day. Lord God, I want to speak to those right now who says, I'm not a Christian. I've never accepted Christ. And I want them to pray this prayer with me today. Father God, I surrender all to you. I give you my life. And I expect, I, I know that, I expect nothing. But you give me something greater than I can ever ask for. You give me life and eternal. And show me, Lord God, just how to to share and give the way that you give us so graciously and generously each and every day. Lord, I want to live my life following you, be part of your kingdom and your family, and be able to, to share the love of Christ with all those that I come encounter with. I want to be different. I want to be a new creation in Christ and serve you from now until eternity. You prayed that prayer. We're excited for you to be a part of our family. And we want to bless you and honor you. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. All right, will you celebrate with those who just accepted Christ?